Welcome to Study Isaiah, the podcast in which we examine the language, context, and meaning of the book of Isaiah with Dr. Paul Wegner. I'm Tyler Sanders. With me is Paul Wegner, who's going to tell us the Hebrew word of the day. Oh, yes. And I've, I've got one that you probably have all, all you guys have know this name or this word. It's Torah, mm-hmm. but it doesn't always mean law like we think it is. That's why it, it it's the word you commonly know as Old Testament law. Yeah. Okay. But we can probably also use it almost like means. a proper noun a yeah. lot of times. Yes. Right? But yeah. it can also but just mean also instruction just... and stuff like that. Like in yeah. the Proverbs often, it just means instruction. In Isaiah 42, uh, we're going to talk about that today. And is if it's not talking about the Messiah, and I don't think it is, but if it's not, then Here's what it says in verse four. He will not be disheartened or crushed until he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands will wait expectantly for his law. So if it's not God's law, this means it would be Cyrus's law. And I don't know if you know this, but the Persians were very just and had a very um, rigorous law system. And uh, it could be that the coastlands were looking forward to his law or his justice system because it was so much more just than the one they were under. Mm. So that kind of does make some sense. Yeah. So. Okay. That's a good there, one. There's our word. Yeah. Because it's one you you pretty much know, but it has different nuances depending on the context. Yeah. So. That's great. And uh, I probably should apologize because you, you brought a great Hebrew word of the day in the last episode. And then we didn't even get to the, oh. the passage oh, that, that uses it. That's right. That's but right. We're, today, we made it. We're there. We're here. So now we know about servants. That's right. right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so why don't you tell us where, where we are right now? Okay. So here's our palistrophe. We're like into the third section into it. And this time it starts with the first servant song. Mm-hmm. Now, not everybody agrees that there are servant songs in here, but almost everybody knows or can see that it's talking about a servant. And these ones all seem to be, they seem to be different. Like we already talked about Israel being the servant. Remember that? Yeah. And that one was pretty clear, but there was no like poem or anything that talked about him. These ones seem to be pretty set and they seem to just be talking about the servant and what God's going to do with the servant. So they are a little different than any of the other ones we've seen. So I do, I do think it's fair to call it a servant song. Okay. Okay. Now let's get into it. Cause this yeah. one's, I think is kind of interesting. Okay. First of all, I got to remind us that all the way through, uh, there was, God kept bringing up this Cyrus that he was going to bring. Mm-hmm. He had never named him yet. That waits till the climax in chapter 45, uh, 44 and 45. Yeah. But it's it's told he's coming from the east. He's coming from the north. God's going to guide him. He's going to destroy nations before him. Mm-hmm. You learned all that stuff before he ever got to this servant song. So it sounds like to me what's happening is it's building to this servant song. And this song, I think, is now going to talk about Cyrus. Okay. Okay. So let's look at it. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. Now, we'll talk about this later, but there's no problem with this being the Messiah either. It fits him too, okay? Mm, Okay. But I think in this context, it's actually referring to Cyrus. And then- When you're saying this context, you're kind of referring to Isaiah- Mm -hmm. Uh, 40 through 48, that section. Yeah. Okay. Okay, now when it says, uh, my chosen one in whom my soul delights, he's just saying that God, God's well pleased with Cyrus because he's going to do a mm-hmm. job for him. He's Remember, we've already talked about him being his servant. And sometimes he, people are servants and they don't even know they're a servant of God. God's using him yeah. in ways, but they don't even know it. Right. Okay. 
And then it was when it says, I have put my spirit upon him. Remember in the Old Testament, God could put his spirit on people to use them. Mm -hmm. Like David, the yeah. spirit is put on him so that he will rule well. Prophets often had the spirit put on them so that they would do God's bidding really well, yeah, you know, speak. and yeah, give yeah. his message and all. Yeah. So here it sounds like he's putting his spirit upon him to do this job for him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he will bring forth justice to the nations. And remember, I already talked about how the Persians were very just in their law mm -hmm. system. Mm -hmm. Okay. He will not cry out or raise his voice, nor make his, no his voice heard in the streets. Now, that's kind of interesting because when Cyrus came into Babylon, remember, it, it's it's mentioned, he came in quietly. He, it was it was two eight weeks after the battle was over and he he came in quietly or not you know not ostentatiously and stuff yeah. like that and the people were cheering him so mm. so they were so glad in babylon that they had a new ruler because uh their their former ruler nabonidus had changed gods on them mm. so when they got to go back and cyrus was very kind about letting them follow the gods yeah, they, want they wanted to yeah. yeah and so so when that happened they were cheering him so to have him not cry out or raise his voice, that fits Cyrus's coming into Babylon really well, hmm. okay? A bruised reed he will not break. Oh, okay. Now, you, you know what a bruised reed is, right? It's one that would be broken over or something like yeah. that. In this context, the best picture of who a bruised reed would be has got to be Israel. Hmm. They're, in, they're in captivity. Yeah. And, and Cyrus had the possibility of, cutting them off right yeah, yeah. and it says a bruised reed he will not break or a, a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish see that fits that in my mind fits israel and cyrus's mm -hmm. relationship really well because he had the possibility of wiping them out he just doesn't he's very in fact he lets them go back home build yeah. their temple so it fits in my mind that context really well okay he will faithfully bring forth justice now that's the second time remember I assume what the author is saying is that Babylon was very unjust in that mm. they took him into captivity mm. and Cyrus is going to let them go home. So yeah. it sounds like to me, that's where justice at the very least is coming in. Yeah. Okay. He will not be disheartened or crushed until he establishes justice in the world uh, or in the earth. That's actually kind of neat that disheartened or crushed. Those are taking those same words as the bruised reed, he will not break and the dimly mm. burning wick. So it's taking those words and saying that God's going to make it so he's not disheartened or crushed mm -hmm. until he does his job for him. Yeah. So that's, yeah. I think it's kind of neat. Okay. Until he establishes justice in the earth and the coastlands will wait expectantly for his law. So there's our verse we were looking at. Okay. Yeah. Thus says the Lord God, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and its offspring, who gives breath to the people on it, the spirit uh, to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I've also, I will also uphold or hold you by your right hand and watch over you. I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, to as a light to the nations. Now remember, how how is Cyrus a light to the nations? Well. If he's bringing the people back, remember, Israel was supposed to be a light to the nations. They did a terrible job. Yeah. But if if Cyrus brings the people back and and God's saying, I'm the one that's doing this, that's a, that's a light in that they are learning that God is a powerful God and he's controlling this mm. Cyrus, his servant, to do this for him. Yeah. So I think that's what it means. He's, he'll be a light to them and a covenant to yeah, them. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, because that's that's a little hard to explain, but I'm yeah. assuming it means something like an agreement. So if God says, 
I'm going to send you back with this servant. It's like a, a an agreement or a covenant he makes with them hmm. that this is going to happen. Okay. So I think that's how come he's a, he's a covenant with them yeah, yeah. or to them. Okay? Okay. All right. Now, hang on. Verse 7. To open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon, and to those who dwell in darkness from the prison. Now, who would be more a prisoner than the than the exiles, right? Yeah. Sitting in Babylon. So he's he's now going to open their blind eyes because they they hardly could believe that God was ever going to do this. Well, once he does it, now their eyes are open. They can see their God can mm -hmm. do this. And then he's going to bring them out of prison, uh, meaning Babylon, and bring them home. So I yeah. so once again, it sounds like it's fitting in this context really well. And remember, that's what this whole section from chapters 40 to 48 is talking about Babylon being destroyed and God's people coming home. Yeah. So that's why I think this, this servant song fits right into this really well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, verse, eight, verse eight, for I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. So he's letting you know that God is the one doing this because he doesn't want anybody else to get the credit for it. Hmm. Nobody deserves the credit, but him. Yeah. Okay. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and now I declare new things. Before they spring forth, I proclaim them to you. That that former things probably is referring to the first part of Isaiah where he talked about judgment mm. all the time. And then it says, uh, they've already come to pass. So in Isaiah's time, you saw those. Yeah. And then when it says, but now I declare new things, and then before they spring forth, I proclaim them. So this is actually again telling us that God told us this yeah. prophecy before it ever happened. And this kind of idea comes up. We already saw it last last episode. But yeah. it comes up again in this in this passage when or not like I guess it's the next chapter or maybe two chapters out. Uh it's talking about the idols. Where it's oh, kind of yes. like Yeah. Can you do it? <laughs> yeah. Can you say what happened and can you say what's gonna happen? With the obvious yeah. Answers no, you can't. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, right. And and remember we I had, had mentioned that 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 the idols oh, couldn't yeah. do it. Yeah. It's like 11 times in there yeah. and, and and it and so it's it's a constant theme yeah I, which we we've already talked about it seems odd that you'd bring up this in uh, the ideas of of idols in the post-exilic time period because that mm. wasn't a real issue at that point yeah but it was an issue in isaiah's time so yeah. i think isaiah understands it in yeah. his time and he's he's projecting it into this time too yeah yeah, yeah. Like that all that makes sense yeah so that's the servant song. Okay. In the okay. game nine? Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Well, let me ask you a question. Okay. This is a passage that people see is very messianic. Yes. And there's reference to it in Matthew, right? Mm -hmm. Matthew yeah. 12, right? Refers back to it. Yeah. So I guess my question is, you're saying this is referring to Cyrus. How yeah. much meaning can a passage hold? Okay. Could it be both? Okay. Like, is that a possibility? That's a good question. Walk me through that. Here, here's my options. Most people say it's either Cyrus, Messiah, or Israel. Okay. Um, Israel is a real popular one too. Okay, mm. so those are the three possibilities of who it is. I've argued it's Cyrus because I think the context really fits that better. Why don't we go to the Matthew passage okay. where this is quoted? So Matthew 12 is where this is quoted, and if you'll look at verse 18. Mm -hmm. Behold, my servant who I've chosen, my beloved one in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him. He will shall proclaim justice to the Gentiles. So you can see this is basic just a quote yeah. from my pa the passage we were just in. Yeah. The key, I think, is in verse 17. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah, the prophet. 
So how I understand that word fulfilled, we, we often think it means this equals that. But a lot of times the word playrao just means to fill up. Like the the um, wine pots in the wedding at Canaan mm. were filled up with water and then that changed to wine. Yeah. So the idea of them filling up, that's that's a pretty common word or understanding of playrao yeah. also. Okay. So my understanding is that Matthew is say, is not saying that this refers to Jesus in the in its first context. Yeah. In fact, it's probably saying just the opposite. It, when it says it's filling it up, it's actually saying that's probably not what it meant the first time, but it's been filled up with more meaning yeah. by Jesus coming and it applying to him. Yeah. So I don't have any problem with it applying to Jesus. The problem is I don't think initially it meant that, but I I think Matthew gave us that hint when he said yeah. that is to fill up what it was said in the Isaiah passage. Okay, you used an interesting word in there. Okay. You said it fills it up with more meaning. Yes. Not new meaning necessarily. Would you say that's a distinction there? Well, maybe not because because uh, every time it's more- It is kind of new. It's going to be new because it's okay. not what it had in the Old Testament. Yeah. But it's going to be a related meaning. Um, mm. I, I have to talk about a coffee cup. The, the prophecy gave parameters as to what it, it could refer to. And so when it gets filled up, it gets filled in when the, within those parameters. And so it's it's gonna have a, a very similar meaning and, and there's gonna be ways that it connects very well with the, the Isaiah passage. Yeah. Like he's my servant, Jesus was God's servant too. He's doing exactly mm-hmm. what he wants him to do. Um, Cyrus was a king, Jesus is a king. Yeah. So there's gonna be a lot of connections between them but it's going to be a structure. So it's, you know, there's, it's not going to be able to add something to it that yeah. is totally different than what he was talking about initially. I've heard you use that image before, the coffee cup. Yeah. And, and the coffee cup is still a coffee cup, yes. whether it has the coffee in it or not. Yes. But when it's filled up with coffee, there is something new there, yeah. you know? And, and you may even be able to say that it's reached its... Yeah, I, I call they're, it they're, capped off. Yeah, you can't yeah, yeah. pour any more meaning into it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's kind of existing how it's actually for a coffee cup, I should call it topped off, shouldn't topped I? Off. Yeah, yeah, probably yeah. so. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but then that means that no more meaning can be added into it. Yeah. And I, I often argue that the Isaiah passage, Isaiah 714, when Jesus fills it up with more meaning, it's capped off because nobody could be more God with us. Mm. than Jesus. I would say a similar kind of thing oh, for this pretty, one. That's yeah, good. Yeah, for this one, I'd say the same kind of thing. Yeah. Nobody is more God's servant than Jesus. He, yeah. he he fulfilled his will so perfectly. There's nobody that could ever do that better than Jesus. Yeah. So I would actually say that one is topped off too because yeah. Jesus came to be the ultimate servant. Yeah. yeah. So that's how I explain those anyway. That's good. Okay. Yeah, I think it's really helpful. That's a, it's, it can be a tricky Passage, well, yeah. I think, to walk through. You well, know? and 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 I we needed to talk about this because a lot of people. I'm 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 unusual that I I think it refers to Cyrus, hmm. but part of the reason I do is because everything from forty to forty eight seems to be God almost bragging that He can bring somebody like a Cyrus to deliver His people. Hmm. You know, what other God can do that? Yeah, and yeah. And, and you've heard Him several times already say, "Well, those None, gods yeah. couldn't do it." Yeah, so. Yeah. Does that make sense? That makes sense. All right. I like it. Okay. Let's go to chapter 42. We're going to read verses 14 through 19. Okay. Because this is talking about the blindness of God's people. Remember earlier, it said that I looked among my people and I couldn't find anyone who was able to, to deliver them. Yeah. At least that's what I think it's arguing. Yeah. This is going to tell us why. 
Yeah. They're, they're, okay. they're so blind. No wonder they can't deliver. <laughs> so that's why God has to bring his own servant to deliver him. Yeah. And I think the first one is, I think this one's Cyrus. I think the other ones are going to be Messiah though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I now explain those when we get to him. Okay. Okay. All right. But look at, look what he says. I'm going to start at verse 14. I have kept silent for a long time. I have kept still and restrained myself. Now, like a woman in labor, I will groan. I will uh, both gasp and pant. I will lay waste the mountains and, and hills and wither all their vegetation. I will make the rivers into coastlands and dry up the ponds. I will lead the blind by a way they do not know. So the blind there will be Israel, right? Yeah. So here's God. He, when he says he's kept silent for a long time, when they were in the Babylonian exile, he, he kept silent. He mm -hmm. didn't. But now with a explosive power almost. I mean, when yeah, it's yeah. talking about a, a woman in labor, yeah, it's, yeah. it's talking about with almost it's explosive and, power. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to bring them out. I will lead my blind in a way they do not know. In paths they do not know, I will guide them. I will make darkness into light before them, the rugged places into plains. These are the things I will do. I will not leave them undone. By, by using that rugged pl uh, places into plains and darkness into light, that sounds a little like what we heard um, yeah. back in chapter 40. Yeah. And so it's talking about smoothing out the way as yeah. they come out. Yeah. Okay. They will be turned back and utterly put to shame those who trust in idols and who say to their molten images, you are our gods. So another jab at them again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I got two more verses. Hear you deaf and look you blind that you may see who is blind, but my servant who is so deaf as my messenger whom I, I send, who is so blind as he who is at peace with me and so blind as a servant of the Lord. So I think what it's getting at is that Israel is so blind. When it says, who is so blind as he is who is at peace with me? I think that's an interesting phrase. What that seems to be saying is Israel thinks they're at peace with God yeah. and, they're, and they're so blind, they're totally missing it. Yeah. So I think that's what that's getting at. Huh. Yeah. Or deaf is my messenger. What, what kind of a messenger would, would be a deaf or a right. dumb messenger You know, yeah. who couldn't speak or can't hear? Yeah, yeah. That'd be a lousy messenger. Yeah. And I think that's what it's getting at. Here's my messenger. It's not even, he's, Israel's not even doing their job. Yeah. So I think that's it. Yeah. Okay. So that, that talks about God's, uh, the, his own people are being blind. Now we'll go to God going to punish Israel. And we'll look at verse 23 through 25. Who among you will give ear to this? Who will give heed and listen hereafter? Who gave Jacob up for spoil and Israel for plunders? Was it not the Lord against whom they have we have sinned and in whose ways uh, we are not willing to walk and whose law they did not obey? So I poured out on him the heat of his anger and the fierceness of battle. I set him flame all around and yet he did not recognize it. It burned him, yet he, but he paid no attention. See that that is you know just how blind they were. Even when God punished them, they didn't get yeah, it. They didn't catch it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. So, so we've got the servant song. We find mm -hmm. out that that Israel was supposed to be a servant, but they haven't been able to do it. So he's got to bring another servant to do the job. Yeah. And then in chapter 43, it's now going to go on from there. Uh, after we've learned how blind they are, now he's going to say, but don't worry. Because I'm still with you and I'm still going to protect mm. you. So um, if you look at 43 verse 1, but now, and you see, but now is a, a total change. Yeah. But now, thus says the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. And now look at verse 5. 
Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring bring your offsprings from the east and gather you from the west. And I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Now, you were going to ask me, I think, yeah, a question about this. That was, uh, I wondered if this was kind of working like a, is it mer- merism? Mer- merism. Merism, yeah. where it's kind of. Take the extremes. Yeah, you and do it the means extremes. everything in between. Yeah. In one sense, it, it is. But but I also think this, usually it's just the two, like east mm. and west. This one's got everything, east yeah. and west, north and south. So I think it's saying, bring my sons and daughters from everywhere. Yeah. And and then it it, it kind of ends it with that. Yeah, uh, ends of the earth. Yeah. So so it's highlighting everybody uh, they're going to be from everywhere. Mm. Now, this is where we get into that prof, prophet's perspective. Okay. And and we'll talk about it th- now but I'll try to get a picture next time. Yeah. But but what's happening when it's saying from the east and the west my guess is it means more than just back from Babylon. Mm. Now, some of the Israelites, I understand, were sold into captivity. And so they could come from other places just than, Bab- than just Babylon. Sure. But I, this one sounds so broad. It sounds like they're coming from everywhere. And yeah. if that's true, that could be the prophet looking into the future. And he sees all these events. He just doesn't know how much time is between them. Mm. So if this time is talking about the future, uh, the, you know, the ultimate God bringing back his people. Yeah. It could have some elements of that into it too. Yeah. yeah. So he's seeing the present situation, but he's also seeing the the time when they're coming back. Further future. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When God's gathering all his people from all the earth. Yeah. So, okay. And that's how a prophet sometimes will do it. There are passages that show us that he's got two together and the prophet doesn't get how much time there is between them. It's a little more complicated, but we may have too simple of a view. Yeah. Or we assume too simple of you often yeah. when we're reading the Bible. Yeah, I that'd be good so. to get into. Okay. All right. Let's look at verse 10. This one is that, do you remember I told you, told you about Hugh Williamson said that- that The witnesses. When, yeah. That when they say, yeah. when he says, well, let's first read it. So yeah. here's verse 10. You are my witnesses. And he's basically talking to Israel, <laughs> the blind uh, guide, <laughs> the, the Israelites. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you will know and believe and understand that I am he. Before me, there was no God, and there will be none after me. So let's start with Hugh's understanding. His his argument was, before you could be a witness to an event like them coming back from the exile, they'd have to be there seeing it, or they could mm-hmm. be good good witnesses. And so he, that's why he argues that the second part of Isaiah has got to be post-exilic because mm-hmm. they've got to see them coming back from the exile or they can't be a witness of it. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that's true if he was just talking to a person. Yeah. A person can't be in Isaiah's time period and also in the exile. Yeah. So that wouldn't work. But if you're talking to a nation, it does work because yeah. some of the nation will be around in the 700s when Isaiah's talking. Another part of the nation is still going to be around in the exile when they come back or yeah. when they come out of it. So I'm going to, I'm arguing that this because it's written to a nation, part of the nation will be there his witnesses. Mm-hmm. It can have both yeah. elements. The next it. generations pick that up. Yes. Kinda. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That makes sense to me. Now, but notice what else he's saying. I usually make a distinction we, uh, between monotheism because monotheism talk is, is, is one God, right? Yeah. But there are, there are multiple kinds of monotheism because if you if you look in, in like in Genesis, it's it talks about the other gods and it just it, it doesn't actually say they aren't aren't gods. It just says 
you better believe me instead of all those other gods. Mm. So he, he in, in the Genesis passage, he, he or books, he doesn't seem to say, but those other gods aren't anything. So that's more of a practical monotheism. It's mm. the idea that it doesn't matter if there's other gods or not, you better only serve me. Yeah. Okay. So when they saw these Egyptian gods and stuff like that, you better not worry about them. All you better worry about is serving me. Mm. But I'm going to argue that I, during Isaiah's time, it's more of an ethical monotheism. By this time, it's what we would consider real monotheism. There are no other gods. And, that, and that's what he's saying here. Before me, there's no God formed. There will be none after me. <laughs> that's pretty much saying, I'm the only one, yeah. right? And so that's, I argue, is ethical monotheism. And Isaiah seems to be about the first one to really clarify the idea oh, of an ethical monotheism. Only one God that is ever going to live. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So, so I think that's important. And, I, and you see it right in this passage really clear, yeah. clearly. Yeah, that's good. All right? Okay, let's go one more passage. Uh, I'm going to start verse 14. Yeah. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Oh, remember the Holy One of Israel is a key title for God in throughout the book of Isaiah. Yeah. Okay. Your Redeemer seems to be a, a common theme in chapters 40 to 48. Yeah. Okay. So he's the one that, and redeem uh, means to buy back. Yeah. So basically he's redeeming his people yeah. from the Babylonian captivity. Yeah. So the Redeemer name makes a lot of sense. Okay. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake, I have sent to Babylon and I will bring them all out as captives, even the Chaldeans to the ships where they rejoice. The Chaldeans had a great merchant, uh, marine kind of like thing. Yeah. And he's saying that the Chaldeans are going to be put in their ships to go back to Persia or yeah, to, yeah, in yeah. exile. Yeah. Okay. All right. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the creator of, of Israel, your God. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way through the sea and pass through the mighty waters and brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the mighty man. They will lie down together and not rise again. They have been quenched and extinguished like a wick. Now, remember. Oh, yeah. We this, already had that. Yeah. The yeah. servant is not going to be quenched. and, and yeah. uh, But these guys are. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's the image now reversed on them. Yeah. So it's kind of neat. Yeah. That's probably enough there. Okay. Oh, I wanted you to make sure you saw that in verse 1 of 20, uh, 43, you can see a clear change. Here's what Israel's like in the past. But now I'm stepping in and I'm going to do a, a, yeah. a great work. Yeah. 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 Okay. Because I mentioned that, but I wanted to make sure you saw it. Yeah. You have it in again in chapter 44 one. So look what it says. But now. But now, yeah. listen, O, o Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. That was almost the same wording that you mm. had in 43 one. Mm. Okay. So you've got a clear change that now it's been punishment before and you've gone into exile, you're discouraged and all that. But now God's going to deliver you. Yeah, there's something new happening. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I thought you should see this. Look at verse two. <laughs> Thus says the Lord who made you and formed you from the womb, who will help you? Uh, do not fear, O Jacob, my servant, and Jeshurun, whom I have, have chosen. Well, who's Jeshurun, right? Yeah, well, right. the nice thing is in parallel, right? So Jacob and Jeshurun must yeah. be the same people. So that's helping you. Yeah. But if you go to Deuteronomy 32, verse 15, it also talks about Israel as Jeshurun. Hmm. It, it actually means righteous one, okay. which is or upright one, which is kind of funny because Israel is not yeah. necessarily the upright right. one. But it gives them almost like a figurative name to let them know this is what it's gonna be like. Yeah. Not not what you are now, hmm. but it's gonna be like that. Yeah. So that's kind of neat. Yeah. 
Which I think we've seen something like that previously where it's like, you know, it's kind of like this title thing almost yeah. becomes a proper noun, but yep. it's all describing Israel, really. Yes. You know? it is, yep. At least here we see it. So. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We are now into the next kind of section that I, I'd like to talk about. Of the so, palestrophe. Yep. So we got through... Uh, God is explaining his plan. Mm. And, and remember, both times it said, but now. So that yeah. gives you that clue that there's a new thing happening. And then we've got this big section on false gods again. Remember, I told you that becomes a real thing. And, yeah. and I, I think it's because he wants he wants them to know idols can't do what I'm doing. Yeah. And that's that's pretty clear. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just going to read a little of it, but it's it goes all the way from verse six to on. But it gets really clear when you get to it like a verse nine yeah okay so this was a great section yeah yeah it really is it's a it's a yeah well let's read just a portion of it and then let's talk about it okay those who fashion a graven image are are all of them futile their precious things are of no profit even their own witnesses fail to see or know so that they will be put to shame uh, who who has fashioned a god or cast an idol uh, to no profit? Behold, all his companions will be put to shame, for the craftsmen themselves are mere men. Let them all assemble themselves. Let them stand up. Let them tremble. Let them together be put to shame. A man shapes iron into a cutting tool and does his work over the coals, fashioning it with hammers and working with it with a strong arm. He also gets hungry and his strength fails. He drinks no water and he becomes weary. So first he's saying, Okay, the things that make the gods yeah. are human and they yeah. they are weak. Yeah. Okay. Another shapes wood. He extends a measuring line. He outlines it with red chalk. He works with it with planes and outlines it with a compass and makes it like the form of a man, like the beauty, uh, beauty of man so that he may sit in a house. So there's another funny thing. If, the, if these are gods, how come they're always shaped in the form of a man? Yeah. Right. You know, because because yeah. because man, I agree, is, a you know, in creation, you know, man was kind of like the epitome. Yeah. But nowhere near what God is like. Yeah. So it's almost like a joke. Yeah. Here's the best you guys can get and you shape it as a man. Yeah. You're basically doing yourself. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Surely he who cuts cedars for himself and takes a cypress or an oak or raises it for himself among the trees of the forest, he plants a firm and rain grows and uh, makes it grow. Then it becomes something for a man to burn. So, so he takes uh, one of them and warms himself. He also takes a fire to bake bread. He also makes a God and worships it and makes his graven image and falls down before it. So half of it he burns in fire, over half which he eats food and he roasts, uh, roasts a roast and is satisfied. He also warms himself and says, aha, I am warm. I have seen the fire. <laughs> but from the rest, he makes it into a god, his graven image. He falls down before it and worships it. He also prays to it and says, deliver me for you are my god. So it's like, him, you couldn't it's get- It's so good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You couldn't get a better- illustration to yeah. show how useless these yeah. idols are. Yeah. And, and first of all, they're shaped in the form of man. Yeah. Man makes them. And yeah. then half of the, the he, stuff yeah. they make them out of. He cuts down a tree. <laughs> half of it gets burned. Yeah. Half of it, he turns into a god. Yeah. And it's going, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Why would you ever do that? Yeah. So it's, it's just really so important for him to say, there is nobody like. And this comes right after he says, I am God. There will be none before yeah. me, and there will be none after me. And then he goes into this. Yeah. So, so it's it's just really strong to let you know these idols are nothing. Why are you guys wasting your time yeah. on them? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, I, I remember reading this, and it was just like, <laughs> it was just it's such a compelling argument. Yeah. You know, it's very simple, but it's very 
it it's just it's very strong you know yeah. and it's like the the people are making this like they have to take half of the wood <laughs> yeah. and turn it into fire and use it to cook because they're weak and yeah. they get hungry and they get cold yeah. you know but now let's put it into today's terms i mean mm. most of us don't go out and make idols and worship idols but we sure worship idols that we've made with our yeah. own strength right yeah. money or fame or yeah. whatever we all Some know that fame is, is is really you know one one day somebody can be real famous the next day yeah can be nothing yeah. you know so yeah. it's it's that same thing for us we're trusting in things that are basically worthless yeah so yeah, yeah. I just, that's my preaching time for yeah me. that's good yeah <laughs> <laughs> All right. Does that make sense? That's good. Yeah. So we're in that next section. That next section is pretty clear. Yeah. All right. Uh, Israel, uh, this is Israel is God's redeemer. Mm -hmm. Okay. He's, uh, I, I called this, uh, Yahweh is the first and the last in verse uh, six. It told us that yeah. God's the most powerful and then idols can't do anything. We just read that to highlight what that was all about. Yeah. Now we're into the middle of our palistrophe. And remember, we've always talked that the yeah, palestros are the, the main core. Which, yeah. It, the main idea is going to be there. In the center. And, and remember on this one, we've actually built up to it. He hasn't yet told us that his name is Cyrus. Yeah. In this passage, he's actually going to mention mm. it. Okay. So let's just look at this passage. Yeah. And, and the, the part I want to show you is starts at verse 24. Uh-huh. Okay. And gets into 40. Yeah, to it goes to 45, 45, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's read it. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and the one, there's that Redeemer again, so yeah. you hear it several times. Yeah. And the one who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord, I am the maker of all things, stretching out the heavens by myself and spreading the earth all alone, causing the omens of boasters to fail and making fools out of diviners, causing wise men to, to draw back and turning their knowledge into foolishness, confirming the word of his servant and performing the purpose of his messengers. It is I who says of Jerusalem, she will be inhabited. And of the cities of Judah, they will be rebuilt. And I will raise up her ruins again. Now, let me just stop there. At this point, Jerusalem is in ruins. The cities are destroyed. And he says, it's me that says these are going to be rebuilt. And mm. these are going to come back. Mm. Okay. It is I who says to the depths of the sea, be dried up. And I will make your rivers dry. It is I, I assume that means, remember, we've already talked about the way like smooth, smooth and yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm assuming this is yeah, making yeah. them dry so they can come back. So yeah. he's, he's saying, not only did I tell you I was going to raise up Jerusalem and uh, ruin cities of Judah, I'm also saying that I'm going to bring you back. So I think yeah. that's why that cup, those two phrases are mm -hmm. highlighting that one. But now yeah. here's, here's the real key. It is I who says of Cyrus. Now, remember, that's 150 years from yeah. when Isaiah is talking, okay? He is my shepherd. He will perform all my desire. And so remember, he's a Persian king. Yeah. And God is going to make him do everything he wants. Yeah. That's quite an, that's why I put, what an amazing God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, he declares to Jerusalem, she will be built. And of the temple, your foundation will be laid. Now, remember, Cyrus is the one that's going to pay for that too. Yeah. So, so later on, God's going to once again brag and say, he did it for free for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So, so he's now told us his name. He's going to be Cyrus. It is, uh, thus says the Lord to Cyrus, his anointed. Now, remember, that's usually the name for, or the word for Messiah. Mm. So here's, uh, here, thus says the Lord to Cyrus, his Messiah. Yeah. So why would it mean that? Well, 
the Messiah was an, an anointed one. That's the core of what it means. Mm. So usually when in the Old Testament, when kings were anointed, that was so that they would know this was God's chosen person. Mm. And for uh, Cyrus to be chosen or the anointed one, here's God making sure you yeah. know this is the one I'm going to use. He's chosen for this task. For this task. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, whom, uh, whom I have taken by the right hand, meaning usually the right hand is of honor. So he's taking him mm. to do a job. Okay, to subdue nations before him and to loose the loins of kings, to open doors uh, before him so that gates will not be shut. I, I will go before you and make the rough places smooth. I will shatter the doors of bronze and cut through the iron bars. Oh, I need to tell you, Babylon was known as the city of a hundred bronze and iron gates. Hmm. So he's he's the one that's going to send them through those and, yeah. and shatter the doors of those bronze gates. Yeah. Okay, so that's kind of neat because from history, we know that was true. Okay? Right, right, right. I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hidden wealth of secret places. My understanding is that Babylon, because it had been around so long, had stored up a lot of wealth inside its cities mm -hmm. and or in the city, and he was going to take it. So you will know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you by name. For the sake of Jacob, my servant, and Israel, my chosen one, I have also called you by your name. I have given you a title of honor, though you have not known me. So here's God saying, I've given you a title of honor, even though you don't know it's, you don't even recognize that I'm doing it. Hmm. So, so that's pretty clear that Cyrus, even though he, he knows about these other gods, when it says he doesn't know his name, it means he doesn't actually honor him as the true God. Yeah. So that's kind of what that's getting at. So I have called you by name, meaning you're going to do a job for me. I have given you a title of honor, though you have not known me. Yeah. I thought that was a really key. Yeah. That's a really key idea there. I think so too. I am the Lord. There is no other beside me. There is no God. I will gird you though you have not known me so that men may know from the rising of, uh, to the setting of the sun, there is no one beside me. I am the Lord. There is no other one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating calamity. Um, the Hebrew actually says uh, causing well-being. That's the word shalom mm. and also creating raw evil. Oh, so wow. people have, have saw that verse and say, oh, here's God saying he creates evil. But remember, words have a range of meaning. Yeah. And the range of meaning can have multiple meanings. It, it doesn't mean that God creates evil because God's can't Good. create evil. Yeah, he yeah. can't do that. Yeah. But he can create calamity. He can mm. cause wicked things to happen to other people. Yeah, and yeah. so that's so that's what I think it's getting at when it says he creates calamity. They've translated it well here, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I am the Lord who does all these things. Okay, I'm just stopping there. If I, if you just read those verses, what's it telling you about God? He's in control, <laughs> and like he's going to use Cyrus, you know, to accomplish God's. Yeah. Like, what God wants accomplished is what is what Cyrus is going to do. And but who else could do this? No one. Okay, it's only God. Isn't that some? So, yeah. so that's why I say this is kind of like the peak. Of my palestrophe because it's yeah. it's it's saying there's well, it, no it other combines God like a lot of these ideas we've kind of gotten into right yeah yeah so we're at the the end of our section here but i wanted you to see how it ends it ends in the middle of this palestrophe with god saying i'm the one that's bringing cyrus no one else could do this i'm the one that's brought him yeah isn't that something it's great yeah yeah so i've, I've i had to put on there what an amazing god yeah because when you look at this there's just 
he's going to go on and the rest of Palistrophe talks about how he's going to destroy Babylon and the gods are going to be mm. of Babylon are going to be humiliated. But the real key is here's a God that can bring a pagan king to do his will, even though he doesn't know him. Yeah. And he's going to do it for free. Yeah. That's, that's, that's God. And, and he, and he called him his anointed. So that, that's actually kind of neat. Well, again, and we may have said this last time, but that's very different. That's, that's, being called the anointed is very different than being called a tool. Yes. That I'm going to break yeah. at the end anyway, yeah. you know? Yeah, was, I think you're right because remember how boastful Babylon was and yeah. Cyrus doesn't seem to be that way. Yeah. He seems to be more kind, if we can say it. Yeah. Because he's letting them go back. Yeah. He's building their temples. Now, remember, we talked about this. He's a pagan. So the reason he's doing it in his mind is because he wants as many gods as possible on his side, right? Yeah. So he doesn't even understand why he's doing it for God, but it doesn't matter as long as he's doing right. the right thing and it's what God yeah. wants. He's his servant. Yeah. Uh, now, I, I should tell you, he never calls him his servant here, but I think mm. he did earlier call him. Yeah. But he calls him my shepherd, my anointed one, yeah. one who I'm taken by the right hand. It's so yeah. interesting and it's all those things, but still, yeah. He doesn't know me. Yes. That's yeah. very fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I would think somebody could preach this really well. Yeah. Here's a God that, an all powerful God that can do things that no one else can do. Mm -hmm. That's the God we serve. Yeah. And that's what he's telling us here. He's saying, I could even bring Cyrus, a pagan king, to do my job. Yeah. That's, that's powerful. That is good. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, that's good. We made it through. Um, so we're halfway, a little more than halfway through. Through our palace The palestrophe, yeah. 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 So next time we'll probably get through. Do you think we'll finish the palestrophe? Yeah. We'll get all I the think, way through 48? Yep. Because chapter 46 uh, and 47 are just talking about how the Babylonian gods are going to be dest uh, destroyed mm. and humiliated and all that. So <laughs> kind of that that takes two chapters right there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So then for, for the next episode, we need to finish up chapter 45. Yep. Kind of our homework. We're going to read 45, 46, 47, yeah, and, and 48. 48. Yep. And then we'll be back we'll be back to discuss it really yeah. soon. Yeah. And when we come back, we'll start into what's called the second uh, second section. Remember I told you that there's refrains at the end of mm. so you get to verse uh, or chapter the eighth, ninth chapter 40 through 48 and there's a refrain then you get the next nine chapters. These, all these have nine chapters in them. Oh. So you get to the next nine chapters. It starts off with a servant song. It actually has more servant songs in it than any of them. <laughs> but it also ends with almost the same refrain. Mm. Let me show you the refrain so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, this will be in 48. Yeah, this is in 48. At the very end, it says, there's no peace for the wicked, says the Lord. Mm. So see, it's highlighting that for those people in Babylon that were fighting against God, there's no peace for them. Yeah. And then you'll see another section where it talks about that. And then at the end, it really, it's like a cantata. It's, it's, it's almost like a finale. Yeah. So we'll see that. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Okay. This is a great episode. Thanks for joining us. Um, everyone who's listening and Dr. Wagner, thank you again for your time. And uh, I guess we'll be back soon. We as will. As we continue to study Isaiah. Isaiah.